Welcome back to Seek Your Strength, part two of Upping Your Game or Stepping Up Your Game. What do we call it? Uh, stepping Up Your Game, stepping I think. Stepping Up Your Game, I like that. Stepping Up Your Game, part two. Yeah. Dance off. What's this one about, girl? This one's about... So we have program for this, but this is basically your training mythology. Am I sounding all right to you? Yeah, I think you sound great. I've uh, Both of my ears are kind of just a bit fucked. Do you really? know that thing where just like... Tinnitus? Yeah. Zinc can help with that, apparently. Zinc? Yeah, I have zinc and vitamin C there, or zinc yeah. and, and um, fucking pumpkin seed oil if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> so part two Lord is knows I need it. Step it up your game. Yeah, so we're talking about programs today. Uh, like, like, because these are coming out at the start of the year, yeah. we're trying to give people a bit of a roadmap. So like, yeah. that's what we did with nutrition, like the different things you want to be checking off uh if you're being like conscientious about being a good athlete and then i suppose the same thing with the program this will be more of um like with the nutrition more of an existential kind of look at things oh um, god yeah and how you will you can hopefully i was you have the critical mindset that we always talk about i suppose and even abilities apply this to yourself yeah so this this isn't the this is exactly what you do that's what our programs no. are for on seekestrength.com <laughs> But this is for, how do I figure this out for myself? Yeah. And so, like, if someone was to ask me, like, uh, oh, how do I become a better powerlifter? Uh, Seek a powerlifting. <laughs> no, but if they were if they were looking to change their program or do something with their program to make them better at powerlifting, yeah. the first thing I'd say is look at the actual adherence to the program. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the time when we're beginning or we're learning and we have a coach or we have somebody who's kind of guiding us through we're super super good with adherence we like stick to everything because we don't really know what's going on and then after you lose that kind of beginner phase you'll start going into like a discovery phase almost and being like oh my god there's all this program and there's this program and these people do this and these people squat every day and these people like loads of accessory work and i think it's during that discovery phases where you have a lot of people it's probably like a year or two in uh they're still relatively green to the sport uh and then we have people who do something we call like squirrel programming, where they'd go and take a little bit of this program, mm. take a little bit of this program. What's the take a little bit of this principle program? you talked about when you try the wrong things to learn how to do the right thing in terms of skill acquisition, oh, physical yeah, so, skills? Yeah, so in ter- for skill acquisition, you talk about having a high degree of variance uh, when someone's learning a skill. So... And that's to find their most efficient form. But you could, you, it's a very good point when you're doing, if you're trying to pick the best program for you is, yeah. you probably do have to try a few different programs. Yeah. I think the biggest problem people have is they try all the programs for 35 seconds each. Yeah. And then uh, I and wonder they never though, give it like a true, a true go. Is that because we see there's so many new people so early in their career? Is that we just see those people so often in their new, in the baby phases of lifting? I think I think we're definitely biased. Yeah, because like on well, a on a weekly or daily basis, but it's usually like, a cultural thing. Yeah, I think like literally all all of the fucking the whole sphere. Like, yeah, is it? I think there's a vast majority is new. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As like a, we deal with very few people, or all those fucking new ass. <laughs> do you know? Well, we do deal with very few people who've taken the sport on before late adolescence. You know, like, yeah, it's rare to get somebody who started crossfitting or started lifting when they're 17. And that's when you look at general strength and conditioning and where the bank of the knowledge lies. You're dealing with people who've played sport or they've uh, competed in a sport since they were a kid. Mm-hmm. And then you have like this institutional knowledge that follows people down. Mm-hmm. Whereas now with like with kind of gym culture, people are just starting later and it's much more a thing of self-discovery than guided discovery. And so where I was going, and with, that's why we're here. That's why where I was going with that was there is um, a great translation of how teach to snatch, and basically they actively recommend that you say, for example, you start with so they recommend top down, but that's not relevant really. That's not that's not the point. All right, the point is what they're saying is so they say you start with the optimal position, you show someone what a good snatch position is overhead, a good position, <laughs> and then they'll be like, okay, so try with your chest really far forward and your hips really far back yeah and then try to do an overhead squat so you go to the extreme ranges of motion and then you go opposite so you go your head really far back and your hips really far under 
and then you try with bent arms yeah and then you try with hyperextended arms and you try with like a straight wrist position or you start with a staggered stance so you try all the wrong positions yeah. and you try all the positions that are not right so then only then can people calibrate to their center of mass so like if you're calibrating a fucking scales or something yeah. you'll put the really heaviest weight you put the lightest weight and then you are similar to a computer in yeah. some way so you'll calibrate your internal fucking monologue will decide geez that doesn't feel right and compared to the optimal position and then you will slowly learn over the course of years you'll calibrate yourself very slowly yeah into positions like, that are the right ones in terms of coaching science that's what like yeah. kinesthetic feedback would be yeah you'd have like verbal feedback or verbal cueing you'd have visual feedback or visual cueing and then you have kinesthetic kinesthetic feedback or like kinesthetic uh cueing so if i was to say to to gurf um oh Garf, you need to keep your chest up mm-hmm. in the squat. Yeah. Like, say, if you were doing a good morning or How something. Up is two up. Uh, yeah. I'd be like, Garf, keep your chest up in the squat. And that'd be a verbal cue. If I was to give, like, a visual cue, I'd do a, a super good squat. Like, obviously, like, a whole cla- Pure class squat. Like. In, fr- in front of Garf, like, the best ever air squat you've ever seen in your life with my chest up. That'd be, like, a nice visual cue. Or you could show him a video. Yeah. Uh, or a video of him doing one well. Crosses um, love that. Yeah. Love and a perfect then, body weight squat. And then... It's the key to everything. Yeah. Uh, like a good... And then a kinesthetic feedback would be, be like manipulating Gurf into a good position and getting him to do that. So Verbally like with... Verbally or with a stick or with my... Like mean, however you need it. Mean words like... <laughs> you piece of up, shit, what are you doing? Up, up, up. Or, or if you're certain coaches, we know you just hit them. Uh, but wrong. like Nothing so basically getting Gurf's body to feel what it feels like to go through a good range of motion and then obviously that's that's the same in reverse he could feel what a poor range of motion would feel like uh, and then he'd know that was wrong obviously all this is done <coughs> under minimal load but the same principles did apply to programming so initially you will have to try well no you won't have to try unless you've an incredibly good mentor but if you are if you are by yourself and you are self-coaching you will have to try, so initially you will have to start with undertraining. That's yeah. your best place to start. So start with too little. And, and see do you know what the problem is? What? Nobody wants to try. No one wants to try because two days a week. everybody wants yeah. optimal yeah. right now. Or too much. And like what you're saying about starting with undertraining, mm-hmm. ain't nobody doing that. No, unfortunately except, not. Except 50% of this room. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like, it's... Yeah. it's it's somebody's like favorite hobby and this the thing they do and they listen yeah. to podcasts about doing this hobby the Seek Strength podcast like and then and then we are we're telling somebody that when they're starting off they need to vary the amount of times they train or it's a good idea to see yeah. what works well for you yeah we've had people look at us as if we're half mental yeah when we say oh just take the next four months and do yeah. x they're like four four months is so long a lot of times people are also four months is nothing but like four months is yeah. absolutely minuscule you know, people ask, ask so much as well. They're like, oh, just two days a week for the Road to Anywhere program. Yeah. And then people are at 35 kilos to their max, you know. So I would say if you if you are new, if you are under a year of training, mm. give it a go. If you've listened to our how, how to audit your training, give it a go of two days a week, like severely under train. So like, yeah. let's let's take the powerlifter, for example. And we're, we're not talking about just doing squats two days a week. No. We're talking about... Just go to the gym yeah. two days per week. So like, let's say you're a powerlifter, okay? And let's say you've squat, bench, and deadlift. Do like squat and bench on one day and then deadlift on another day. And then in six months of your max, no, let's say six months because no one's going to realistically do that. But let's say in three months if your maxes haven't gone up, then you can be like, right, let me try three days. Yeah. And then if your maxes have gone up, do you know, don't go any more than three days. Yeah. And then if eventually you get to a point where your maxes aren't improving, try maybe an extra day yeah and so this like that's kind of the principle of like so what i always talk about is on my if you listen to any of my if you watch any of my uh nobody watches them. the stories nobody watches them. loads of people watch them they don't they love them they don't so yeah, basically <laughs> the least amount of effort for the most amount of gains yeah that's like that's the that's what you should be striving for but i i think when people hear that right they hear that and say Oh, they focus on the least amount of effort thing and be like, no, I'm going to give this more effort because I'm not good enough now and I want to be better. Yeah, yeah. What you need to focus on with that is the most amount of gains. So it's not like people think, oh, well, I'll squat two days a week because that gives me the most amount of gains versus squatting three or four times a week. And then I'm going to do uh, 
behind the next strict press four days a week. Yeah. Because I get the most of it. Like, you can't do everything at the same time. And we, like... The, we pr- have- the problem with that is eventually you reach a point where you essentially may not have the ability to recover more. You may just not have the time to do more training. Yeah, exactly. And once you go yeah. forward, you can never go back. No. Unless you severely detrain yourself. Yeah, and I think that is the biggest problem I see with people who've been lifting less than maybe three or four years uh, is that they don't give things enough time. Yeah. If they try something, they try it for three or four weeks or you hear about someone doing like, oh yeah, I ran that for six weeks and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You're like, you didn't you barely got your hands wet like like i would think in terms of training a micro a microcosm would be three months for me so like with my hamstrings let's say yeah like like a true like not in terms of an actual base cycle but uh, implementing uh, a new mythology or a new kind of you you keep saying mythology but i think you're saying methodology 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 why did i say that wrong why? Yeah, it's so. I keep, it's because so, I keep making yeah, fun of you. I know. It I is, know. It's, it's exactly it's, what it is. It's because you did sports just, mythology. It just hurts me every time. So, <laughs> in terms of a new principle in your training or a new aspect, like now we don't like obviously microcycles and my macrocycles are a lot different. But I'm talking about an, an application of a new principle. Like a three months is nothing. No. To see if something works, like for I, me, yeah. Like, I think realistically, if you if you're giving something a fair roll of the dice, mm-hmm. it's a six month. Yeah. Ordeal. Mi- like but genuine a minimum it would be three months yeah. like no less than that that no. like for example if you take um my application of trying to improve my hamstrings yeah uh, which are vastly underdeveloped comparison to my quadriceps lord knows it lord knows it so obviously, <laughs> so obviously only now i would feel after this would be close to um probably about 12 weeks now i'd say probably near three months yeah that I would have actively really put forth a lot of effort and allocated resources from other areas like my squat yeah. into trying to improve my hamstrings. Um, and you're giving that a fair shake of the stick. And it's obviously, so there's obviously other reasons that we'll, that we'll need to get into, but I just, my hamstrings are very underdeveloped. You need a lot of hamstrings for weight of things. Is it because you neglected them? Oh, it's, Girl. but neglect would make it seem like you'd put, you thought about them and then you decided that you didn't want to do anything with them. They yeah. were just weren't in my severe consciousness in terms yeah, of training. Yeah, yeah. There was just no. Yeah. There wasn't. Wh- you didn't treat them like a body part. Like. So like neglect would seem make it seem like I had a kid, and then I just kind of forgot yeah, about the like kid. Like you knew you had a kid. Yeah, well, I didn't know I had a kid though. Yeah, yeah. There was just what well, was my quadriceps for my legs, my ass, like. But it's mad because you were looking around and being like, "Jesus, everybody else has kids," and it's just like something that everybody has, and they look after them. But I, and you never thought. But I wonder, did maybe ever, I look after my hamstrings too? But did everyone else have? Ha- kids? Do you know what it's like? Did they it's have like hamstrings? Everybody or did they else just not have as much? Have kids and a dog, right? With a, and then you're just like, oh my god, I have an amazing dog, and you took really good care of your dog, and you're like, did. oh, it's a little cutie bear, and you'd bring the dog everywhere, and everybody else was like, geez, he treats his dog very well, but he doesn't have any kid. Didn't he have a kid? Didn't he have a kid? I didn't know. And then you were like, oh, shit. I'm after leaving Jimmy at home for the last eight years. But I wonder also, was it that just no one else had as much quads as I had? It's part of it too. Because <laughs> they didn't. Do you think maybe the quads came because you trained them so much? Uh, it's uh, entirely impossible. Any, anyway, right. So you gave the quad, the quad development a good shake at a stick. You've given it eight years or a bit more. Eight and a half years. Eight though. and a half years. Uh, Where's the hamstrings? Now I would I would be seeing the benefits, but this is only in the let's say in terms of one hundred percent being completion. This oh, is twenty five percent, I'd say. Yeah, if even. If even, like I, that like my, the rule of thumb of six months for anything, six months to see if anything has changed is probably the best. Like in terms of, let's say for me, I'll pick um, a very objective point of reference to to figure out, and I should be able to do two hundred for. A trapple, but a very, very handy triple. I, yeah. w- I would feel on an RDL, obviously stiff legged. Yeah, yeah. Stiff, le- stiff legged deadlift because I touch the floor, and they're not quite RDLs. Right. Whereas at the moment, two hundred is my one RM. Yeah. And it's that was a doozy. Grindy. I nearly passed out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so I would think of things in terms of like that as well when you're programming for yourself. So it's not just powerlifters, or in terms of weightlifters, like obviously, just let's say you're like a collegiate athlete, and you're like maybe a, let's say a collegiate athlete doesn't need hamstrings. 
and it's very likely a lot of our collegiate athletes yeah. doing whatever they're doing do need hamstrings. Yeah, that's a very common fault. Not enough hamstring development. And I don't expect to see your running times improve or your um, name a sport. Jump. Your jump improve. Your jumping times. Like say your hamstring and your, your, <laughs> your jumping. Your jumping throwing distance. Are like massively related. Yeah. Uh, so like your hamstring, don't expect to see your jumping times improve in two weeks. Yeah. After doing two sets of stiff like a deadlift twice a week. Yeah. You know, give it six months. Yeah. And then and, be and, like. And it mightn't even be that your sprint times increase, but it might mean that uh, after six months, you can handle 10% more training volume. And then having an increase of 10, which is a huge amount, having that 10% increase for a year. Yeah could mean that you have better sprint times yeah. so then you're 18 months in yeah. to the whole hamstring looking after your kid thing uh, and then you start seeing the improvement like it's always looking like programming you should always be thinking about the longest term yeah like very rarely should be looking for the now yeah and that's like uh, it's where everybody is is guilty really like we have an eight week squat program uh, which works great to be fair it works great but like that's not that's not the best way to have a big squat for the rest of your life you know well like people obviously ask, ask how long should I wait till I run it again and you know honestly when we initially wrote it we'd never really thought about <laughs> people running it again because well, our mistake was that people would just buy this once they would need it just for a bigger squat yeah and then they would know what to do kind and of the, and there are, there are plenty of people there who have yeah uh, reached a, a requisite level of skill that they just need a bigger squat now. And then, and then they, they yeah. spend eight weeks, yeah. which just a small amount of time to get a bigger squat, and then yeah. they go back to what they were doing. They're maintaining their squat rather than driving it, and then they're back to their normal sport, which might be sprinting, throwing, rugby, soccer, football, weightlifting, powerlifting, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, it was just that we, when we'd wrote it, we didn't even, even entertain the concept of people would want to keep running it continuously. Yeah. And that's why the maintenance program came out. 10 months after we'd released the program because we just assumed that they would we, go back to those we were sports. sick of emailing people back being like yeah. this is a good idea of how yeah. to maintain your squat and we're like ah it's probably just easier to give it to them for free and the only reason they, the maintenance program is 8 weeks is because there's just no way people would do more like uh, yeah and I think the thing with the maintenance program is it's it's very like it's a fundamental program it's like very very basic yeah. it follows that normal bell curve of mm -hmm. a program it like increases and decreases volume and intensity it's just like nice standard and you can run that ad nauseum for the rest of your life yeah and you'll keep getting a tiny bit better but you're not driving your squat like people are asking about how are people over 200 kilos doing and usually for obviously people who are going from 120 to 155 or something and getting 35 kilos the same thing won't happen for an over 200 kilo squatter, but that's what you have to be prepared for Yeah, the better I, you get with your programming. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of people from 205 or 210 up to around 220 or 225. Yeah. You know, like that's, and that's, I think that's perfectly fair. Like the same way that program isn't going to get you from 290 to 300. But even if you get from 205 to 215, like that's... It's a huge jump. That's massive. Eight weeks yeah. is nothing. And so that's like how you should be approaching, 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 <laughs> approaching all of your programming. Yeah. Especially if you're doing it for yourself. In terms of just like you should be ready for the least amount of gains possible and yeah. be very happy with that. You should just be just so little gains is what you should be hoping for. And then if you make more, be delighted with it, obviously. Yeah. And like it's the thing of making gains that are actually tangible yeah. and that are like you can really hold on to. So like if we're. If this podcast or this series of podcasts is like a how-to guide, I think mm -hmm. the first thing with programming is that things take six months at minimum. Yep. Like that's, it's a good rule of thumb for yourself. People don't like to hear that because they're like, holy shit, there's four weeks a month and that's 24 weeks. And then that's 24 by seven and that's so many days, bro. Yep. And I'll be like, if I'm like 18 now, I'll be 18 and a half by then that's there, bro. And that's like after the summer and we're just going to be like hanging at the beach during yeah. the summer bro and I don't want to be doing the same thing every time I'm thinking of like me like Gabriel's coming in May you know and I'm like four months that's or like February, March, April, that's May that's so soon I'm like that's not half enough time to get where I want to be like you no. know I'm like that's nothing like whereas in reality that's a, obviously that's a lot of training yeah. but it's absolutely nothing like you know that's um. and I like people have been sold the lie when they go and they start training first yeah because they're like, if they're not used to training or if they're just not used to 
how fickle sport can be. Like things take a very, 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 very long time to change normally. Yeah. Yet when you go and you start training first, you're like, brah. Yeah. I could be at the Olympics in two years. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, buddy, just you wait. Because it's like you've all these things of like what you'd like what people call noob gains yeah like you just progress so so quickly and then you don't have to think about anything because everything is a, st- a novel training stimulus and you know you're, you'll just keep training really really hard but obviously that can't go on forever and people who think it can are just so naive so, so like once you've got the concept into your head that this could take a very long time to prove after that you need to decide what it is you're improving and in terms of programming for a lot of people listening you have a sport or you have lifts that you want to get better at and they are your main goal they are your sports your goal is always always to get back to those as much as you can so everything else is just a support for those would you say specificity um i've never heard that word before every time with the mic stands yeah we tend to have this issue where you like to do, like there's an arrow. Leave, people people don't need to hear this right now, right? So we can do it with this yeah, after. People can hear the cable noise, Owen. It doesn't annoy people that like annoys you, Dara. Yeah, but anyway, back to sports. Yeah. Specificity. Anyway, specificity. Like you, you see those kind of the Bulgarian PDF squat program where you see the, oh, he's doing Bulgarian javelin throwing. <laughs> you know, you see things like it, there it's not a misguided principle like it, it is the principle you should abide by all for your programming it, it, it's always to get back to the snatch clean jerk it's always to get back playing rugby it's always to get back to throwing your javelin or your shot put or like let's say in weightlifting the core principle is that you want to just be doing snatch clean jerk now this principle yeah. sounds like it's an ideal rather than um a possibility yeah so right I think a very good example of this would be one of the jumps, right? So yep. st- uh, take someone who does high jump and they're whatever, a 24-year-old high jumper of intermediate experience. Uh, everything in their training goes back to them doing high jump as much as possible. Yep. The problem with the high jump, obviously, is that it's an extremely explosive movement. If I went and did 100 high jumps, my... 10th one would be slower than my 5th one and probably lower uh, my 20th would be lower than my 10th my 50th would be lower than my 20th and it just it's not sustainable then you get to a stage where the height you're jumping is so low and the speed at which you're jumping is so slow that you're not getting any training effect you're just learning how to jump more times rather than learning how to jump higher so then what they do is they have to change out some of the jumps for something different. So it might be that your coach says uh, your run-in is quite weak. So then you do some standing start uh, acceleration drills or you do some technical work around the run-in. That might take 20% of your training volume away. So now instead of being able to do 100 jumps, or sorry, being able to do 50 jumps effectively, you have to take 20% of that away. So now you have 10 of those jumps have been taken by standing start work. The second thing your coach says you need to work on is uh, your rigidity in the air or your ability to flex backwards as you go over the pole. Uh, so now you need to go to the gym and you need to work on mobility work around that and some core strength so you can hold a good position in the air and your trailing legs don't hit the bar to go down. So that's then going to take a small bit of our our kind of cognitive capital and our physiological capital. So we've already lost 10 of our jumps uh, to our standing start and our acceleration work. We've now lost another 10% of the 50. So we've lost another five jumps. So now we're down to, we have 35 effective jumps in training. We put, we take, so there's been 10 taken for our sprint work to start and there's been another five taken for our core work and mobility and then what you tend to look at then is different aspects of that specific skill so if you were doing derivatives it might just be standing jumps or or a vertical jump height that you're concentrating on that might be another 10 percent. so that's another five jumps gone we're back to 30 full jumps then it might be uh, a small bit of really really technical stuff so we're uh jumping at a lower height 
but we're looking to get it absolutely technically perfect that might take another 10 percent of our possible load another five jumps gone so we're down to we have 50 trainable jumps 25 of them now are really specific high jump jumps we've taken a small bit away for core and mobility we've taken a small bit away for sprint start we've taken another small bit away for just vertical jump height and a small bit away for technique so you can see how it very very quickly becomes an area where we're doing very few actual high jumps and we're doing a lot of other shit to try and make our high jump better and i think when you look at people who train in the gym they really like doing all the other shit Mm -hmm. and they're not really focusing on the skill of the squat or the skill of the snatch or the skill of the clean jerk yeah like the you're if you imagine yourself like a or let's say you imagine the perfect athlete <clears throat> so let's say it's weightlifting and you imagine a stick figure or you know the look at own <laughs> buddy is it if you imagine you know those kind of crash test dummies or you know those kind of um cgi generated um biomechanics uh, kind of fuckers you know those ones oh i know them well eh? and you know they're let's say they're a perfect human and they're doing the jump or they're doing the snatch clean and jerk and their motion is always perfect and they can manipulate themselves however they want and they can repeat the exact same movement like core programming principles would be that that person would just need to do snatch clean jerk yep. forever yeah yeah but unfortunately there literally nobody in the world is like that so you never get to a point where you're just doing snatch clean jerk or you're just doing high jumps or you're just playing football yeah or you're just trying to javelin yeah you're you nobody's like that no matter and you strive for that for your whole career and not reaching that it isn't the problem the best never reach that yeah so you your aim is just to get as close as there as possible if you think of it like a really narrow line traveling straight forward okay and that that really it's a centimeter wide and you have that's your snatch clean jerk that's your javelin or whatever yeah. and then every time you need to add something in it's a wider base but for realistic for everyone it gets a little bit wider and you add something like Dara was saying you add in your core work or you add in your start starting run or your starting jumps or whatever it gets a little bit wider for all the, all, yeah. all the time you add in something. But literally nobody in the world, nobody's is ever the perfect 100%. strength. It's just yeah, never, yeah. it's impossible. There's just no way you can get there. But the act of striving for that is your goal. Yeah. And you get as close as you can to that. And then you'll see a lot of progress because it, it is always about just supporting your sport activity. Yeah. I think like if you actually do look at golf, like golf is something we very rarely use as an example. Where are you going with this? <laughs> So, like, if a golfer, say you've, like, a female golfer, and she's physically unstable, so she probably doesn't have a lot of, of, or she mightn't have a lot of motor control, say, as an example, or mightn't have a lot of muscle mass. Yep. She's going to have to swing a golf club a lot yep. to build any muscle mass, right? Yeah. She's going to have to swing a golf club a lot to build some motor control. Whereas if she then takes, if she plays golf five times a week, she takes one of those days and goes to the gym and one of those days and does some like uh, like derivative works with like swinging and throwing or something like that. Mm-hmm. She's only golfing three times a week, but she's really, really reducing the risk of injury because she's not doing 30,000 swings a week to try and build muscle and try and build stability around her swing. You know where we um we see people jump it so obviously you mentioned earlier so that people love doing the other stuff yeah see we see people doing because i think i think with gym work the line is so blurred yeah Yeah, it is fun like and like people don't start lifting weights because they don't like lifting weights like powerlifters weightlifters people who just go to the gym fucking love lifting weights yeah and so it's a thing of like the line becomes so blurred between our sport or what we're trying to improve and like fuck it if if you're just somebody who goes to the gym, you might want to improve your rack pull yeah. from below the knee. Yeah, and that's yeah. perfect. But you need to be very, very careful that you're actually training that yeah. and not just training everything. And like people, I'll give you a personal example. We were just talking about this uh, before we started the podcast. So for me, you get to, you, can, you can very easily get to a point where your program deviates too far from your sport specificity. Yeah. And so I would have spent too much time on my back squat. Now, Part of the reason was I just really liked back squatting and I wanted to get a huge back squat. But also part of the reason was I thought it would help my clean and jerk and snatch more if I got a bigger back squat sooner. Yeah. And it did not. No. It didn't. I spent too much time. I think, I think it might have slowed you down. It definitely slowed me down. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't regret any of it, to be honest. Because <laughs> saying you have a 290 back squad is saying you have a 290 back squad. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it did really... It, I spent too much, I deviated far too much, far too far away from my snatch and clean and jerk. And it reduced my basically training capital, mental capacity, uh, whole aspect of... Your ability to walk upstairs. My ability to reach down and grab a bar for a snatch. Yeah. But it also affected my kind of um, how I viewed the snatch, clean and jerk. I viewed them with less, not less respect, but with, um, with the wrong kind of attitude. To yeah. elicit results from them. Yeah. Whereas I was thinking a bigger back squat, bigger lifts. And it just wasn't like that. And I spent too much time doing back squats. Big squat, big lift, bro. But it's not the way. It's it no. just isn't. And I um you know, sometimes you mentioned lessons learned the hard way, that was like learned retrospectively the hard and, way. And look, yeah, don't get us wrong. Yeah. You need to have a requisite amount of strength to do It's much less than you think though. Yeah, it is. Like we've got we've got people who are snatching over hundred kilos with like a one forty five back squat. Yeah. Who are on block five or six at the moment? Yeah, like you know, like that's extremely efficient. Incredibly. They're clean and jerking over one hundred twenty-five kilos. Yeah, with a one fifty-five back squat. Like it's you need much less of a squat than you think. And you know what I was going to say there a second ago was you know we have people on the exact opposite of a spectrum where, let's say, I spend too much time away from specificity, but we have the the wave of like five cares are coached to five k. Yeah, they go straight to just running. Yeah, with no other work. Sure, what gym stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas they, and then obviously, back injuries, knee injuries, meniscus tears. Fuck. Well, like it's grand because they only last for in a year and a half or two years, and then they realize they can't ever run again. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. They they <sighs> go too much into the zone of hyper specificity then because surprisingly, people doing coach to five k's aren't the perfect athletes. Yeah, would you I believe? Think, yeah, there's. There's so many more complications involved with running and runners and and especially late onset runners. It's no, never, but you, the principle is the same. Yeah, like yeah. whether oh, the principle is is perfect. Mental. We're we're gonna get in we're psychological we're issues not, aside. We're not it's still wrong. Like you know what I mean. It's yeah. still it's still the principle. It's the exact opposite of what I would have been doing. You know. Yeah. I would have been doing hardly any specificity, and like there is, you just always want to bring it back, and especially when you're programming for yourself, you want to drop. The assistance exercises as soon as it's not useful. Yeah. The moment it becomes redundant. I think rather than dropping, so we spoke about this earlier as well, like the difference between derivatives, so like hang snatches, snatch balances, whatever, and accessory work, as in like injury prevention accessory work. Well, then it's not redundant then. Yeah, yeah. But like, let's say... Yeah, but I think think people in, in in the spectrum of yeah. In what order they drop things? Yeah, yeah. They drop their fucking side planks first. Yeah. Then they drop their full snatch, and then they drop the high hang snatch that they can do one hundred and twenty percent of their normal snatch on. What would be a given example? So let's say we have a rugby player. Yeah. And he was in his on season, for example. Yeah. And he's doing something. What could he be doing that would become redundant that he would have been helping him during the season, and at one point two months into the season it was really helping and then by month three it was uh, not helping so the, the the big example there would be something like they're bench pressing for relatively high weights at a relatively high volume so they haven't gone they haven't tapered off to just being like work capacity stuff they haven't tapered off to being really high intensity stuff which mm-hmm. they should have done at different aspects of the season yep. but now if, if we're at two months left in the season uh the last thing that guy needs to be doing is going in and doing 100 kilos or 120 kilos for uh, six by six. Yep. Yeah, because what are they like? They're achieving nothing by doing it. Does that happen? And, Do people? Yeah, yeah, those yeah, numbers, definitely. Because because people get a session that they like doing, mm-hmm. or they get like a way of training that they enjoy, and then when there's a small bit of autonomy given, which there often will be with their strength and conditioning work at this time of the year. They'll just go to the gym and they'll do that normal session that they've been doing a lot during the season. Whereas at this stage in rugby season, like rugby is one of probably the highest rate of attrition of, of any of the spe- field sports we play over here. Uh, at, at this stage in the season, you are solidly in damage control. Oh, yeah, you're you're dying, not doing yeah. anything else. You yep. are just trying to fix the things that are broken and stop the other things that are about to break from breaking. So people go and, and even if they feel good and even if they haven't played a huge amount of ball, that kind of work that 
relatively high volume, relatively high intensity, pushing it hard uh, on something like, like their shoulders are fucked now at this stage. They've had maybe 15 games. Uh, they're very, very, very high likelihood of injury for a shoulder. And then they go and push this in the gym. And that's something that's that's completely redundant at this stage of the year. Uh, yet they still keep doing it because of it, because it's habit or because they have an alternative goal or because it's coming up to the summer and they fucking want to look great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like it, it can be as simple as that. In terms of things they drop probably a bit too easily. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of the time you'll see as they're in the off season and more when they taper into a preseason they'll start doing a lot of plyometric stuff and you'll see a lot of box jumps. You'll see a lot of agility stuff like ladders, uh, maybe some like fine motor control stuff with their feet. And when they get onto the pitch, they tend to stop doing those sessions. And obviously this is a huge generalization, but a lot of the time we would have seen these being put in for 20 minutes before a gym session, 20 minutes before a conditioning piece, uh, when we're like nice and warm and really, really fresh. And because now they're on the pitch so much and the bodies are really, really beat up and they're in a damage control uh, environment or like an arena where they're trying to control damage as much as possible, they stop doing that kind of really fine motor work. Whereas in reality, something like uh, very low impact but high effect agility drills are really, really going to help them. Because yep. if you can <clears throat> if you can just make... Uh, two meaningful movements before they make contact so like rather than just running straight into contact when they're that small bit more tired uh if they have like small step left small step right it ju- it just makes a big difference of like moving the point of contact away from where that defender is comfortable that th- those are probably two things that i see being left in the programs too much and being left out of the programs too much to give an example then go back to <clears throat> the back squat let's say when i got mine to 270 any more after that then would have been redundant that would, even 260 probably like after that for the particular numbers I was snatching clean jerking yeah it would, had become just redundant there was yeah. just no more like you do push too far or last year for example I pushed my snatch balance snatch balance so I pushed it to like 190 yeah. and obviously it's a phenomenal snatch balance whatever but <laughs> it, was, right, bro. <laughs> it is it's a pretty good snatch balance uh, but it got to the point where when I could do 170 for a triple I could have very easily been like right that's absolutely more than yeah. enough time to get back to snatching yeah, yeah, yeah. but i uh, made the mistake of continuing on to get 190 and even more after that yeah but um it's it's you gotta be really 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 analytical with what when is something being re- redundant and so sometimes there is a case to be made for you just enjoy doing the exercise so if the low impact low resource kind of uh re- low resource using kind of exercise or yeah. let's say you just like game week you always feel really good if you do like three singles at like 120 back squat or something for yeah. some reason and maybe there's nothing to it but you just feel strong because you move them really fast in your head yeah. you're like I'm fucking I'm a, yeah, I'm a yeah, fucking yeah. beast you know Yeah. things like that then obviously have their place and then you've got to decide is it redundant or not to keep that yeah whereas you doing 4 by 10 on the game week or whatever and you've been doing it all along and you've been progressing clearly that's gone redundant now you know yeah yeah Another aspect of programming, I think, is a very important to touch on, and it's something I think it's like paralysis by analysis. Kind of, well, not paralysis by analysis. It is actually is a little bit kind of deer in the headlights. Yeah. It's so often we see people want to do, you touched on it there, the other six by six at 120. Yeah. People just, they think about programming and they listen to so many people are programming and they might read some articles on T Nation, they might read some on, uh, do people still read bodybuilding.com? Is that yeah. Bodybuilding.com and they see stuff on fucking some box rock or morning some chalk shit. Some fucking retailer called Gurfling keeps putting <laughs> shit up in his story. <laughs> and they're like, they see a headline that says, why 5 by 5 is the best rep scheme you're not doing or something. Yeah. And then they start doing 5 by 5 when it's been working. But four months later, they've gotten really good at 5 by 5 but the weights aren't going up or more likely the weights have gone down by 20 kilos. Yeah. And we see people just just terrified of um it's like they're frozen in oh i don't know if it's kind of a i don't know what to do or it's kind of a case of i want to keep things people like to keep things simple as possible they want it just to be the same each week rather than there's like a fear of there's geez, a fear I need of to, change yeah there's a fear of i need to i need to adjust this on the fly you know and, and what you i think where we see this most yeah is you'll have someone of like oh 
I pushed my squat really hard there. Yeah, I trained really hard there like a year ago. And I, my one rep max is 190, but I pushed it really hard and got 180 for 10. Yep. And you're like, and then? And you're like, oh, just yeah. like, go back playing ball then. And you're like, you you went so far bean. down the for 10 rabbit hole. Yeah, the bean. The be- yeah, the bean rabbit hole. The bean swole rabbit hole. The bean stuck. One of our friends does that with squatting. Yeah, but like, so or what happens is you get so far down the 170 for reps hole. Yeah. I notice a lot you- of people actually probably listening to this now who are like... And yeah, or like, yeah, like there's and there's certain numbers. It's like one forty for reps, one eighty for reps, whatever. And it like they get so far down that, and then you're like, and and then what did you do? Yeah, and oh, is your is your sport doing one eighty for reps? Yeah, no, your sport's probably doing a single, or your sport yeah. is probably doing a single in a different lift. Yeah, like not to have a go off anyone, but yeah. like that that happens a lot. But I think it's they don't know. Like yeah, you just don't know and, what you don't know. And you see, the thing is, what they did to do whatever for 10 yeah. is like, that's what they did to get there. And they're going to need something different to get to whatever for five. And then they might need something slightly different again to get to whatever for one. And like, look, I'm as fucking subject to it as anyone else. Yeah. Uh, my single numbers are way, way above what my volume numbers are. Yeah. But that's because I just concentrate on single numbers. And I've like... But it, kind of a different... That you you know better kind of thing. I know better, but I just don't care. Like yeah, you know, if I if I was a a more well rounded athlete, yeah, I, instead of doing two ten for three or four or five, yeah. I'd probably have like, I'd have like this graded system where I'd be able to tell you what I did for twos, threes, fives, yeah. whatever. But I don't because I just like doing singles. If we, for for this one episode and, like, and like, as well, yeah, I'm like I am not doing any sport. No one cares about I you. I go to the gym because you force me to go to the gym a lot of time. And I just like lifting heavy weights. And that's it. Here is. Uh, so I know we said this would be kind of an existential episode. But for anyone listening, basically the whole principle of anyone's program ever who's working is you start with really high reps and low weight or intensity. And then they meet at the middle and then they keep traversing. So your weight goes up and your reps go down. And that's yeah. basically the whole principle of all programming so, that works. Yeah. What you want to do is, right, you give, Never if you have two toddlers with you. Yeah. You give one toddler a red marker. Yeah. And so that you need a wall maybe like eight feet long. For no, this. no, no, floor. No, floor. I like I like the wall, right? So right. you give one toddler a red marker and then you place the other toddler around six feet away and you need a nice clean wall for this. And you give yeah. one a red marker and one a blue marker, right? Yeah. And they're both going to start with the markers up as high overhead as they can, right? And they'll touch them to the wall there. Yeah. And those two toddlers are going to walk directly at each other as the marker comes down. And that marker is going to cross then in an X in the middle and then they'll move over and they'll keep walking past. And then the red line will end up in the left bottom corner and the, the blue line in the right hand bottom corner. The exact opposite of where they started. So yeah. like that's basically the whole principle. So of you start low intensity, high volume. Yep. Then you drop the intense or drop the volume. Gradually. Drop the volume. Gradually. The, very, 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 very slowly. Yep. And even slower again. You increase the intensity. So for most non-sport specific movements, you should always be kind of in a state of rolling forward with something. Something yeah. should always be changing within a one to two week period, realistically. And, and and in terms of the change, when we're looking at changes in volume, the change is probably going to look like a staircase that's 100 steps long. Yeah. So it's very, very small steps. Yeah. And then the intensity will be like this very, very slight curve. Yeah. Because the, the intensity will probably always be increasing by, like say if we have a, someone with a 100 kilo back squat, they're probably increasing by two and a half kilos or five kilos or two and a half kilos and five kilos. And it's a very, very smooth intensity scale because the body can't really deal with big fluctuations in intensity. Yeah. Uh, and then the volume will probably go from boom, down a bit, boom, down a bit, yeah. boom, down a bit. And, and you'll have periods of time where the volume will remain the same. So you'll do five by five and that volume will remain the same as the weight increases. Then that volume drops off and the weight will increase. And then you do three by five as the weight increases. Then that drop down, you'll be three by three as the weight increases. Yep. And then that weight just keeps going up. The volume keeps going down. All right. So let's try away from the specifics there too much. But we're all guilty of that. Just, I just want to get in and do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Every everyone at some stage in their career is just incredibly guilty. 
of doing that. It's just easy to think, I'll just do 5x5 five five this week and 5x5 five five next week and 5x5 five five the week after. And, you know, yeah. you see videos of like Clarence who's doing like 5x5 five five all the time. Yeah. And but no one's Clarence. Yeah, I was just about to say, nobody is Clarence. But they're, they're Clarence is listening to this and Clarence isn't even fucking Clarence. He can't even do that. <laughs> so like people do ask a lot. They're like, oh, I'm doing 5x5 five five in the bench. Uh, is this a good rep scheme? And it's and I think it's just a lack of knowledge. Like it's not your area yeah. of, of technical ability or whatever. It's also you, it's also the best and worst rep scheme in the world ever. Yeah, depending on your situation. So fatiguing. Like a heavy five by five <laughs> could take like an hour to do in the back squat. Yeah, the, in my opinion, the five by five is the four hundred meters of the gym world. <laughs> do you know, like four hundred meters isn't isn't long enough that you slow down from a fast run. Yeah. Yet it's not short enough where you can go really, 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 really fast and then it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's really, it's imperative that you educate yourself on this. Yeah. On how programming works and it gets not to be doing the same thing every week, day and in, at, day out. Like at the start of this, we spoke about when you're learning something for the first time, you've a, if you have a high degree of variance, you're going to find optimal technique faster. So then if you have a high degree of, like if you just try this program for six months, then change over, try this for six months. Then change over, try this for six months. Like, by the time you're halfway through a college degree, you've tried four programs legitimately. Mm-hmm. And you're going to know, Jesus, yeah, that actually worked quite well. Uh, this worked very, very well in terms of my numbers, but I kind of got hurt a lot. Uh, this didn't seem to give me too much of effect for my snatch, but my clean and jerk went way up. Uh, this worked well, but I lost a load of weight while I was doing it. And then what you can start doing is seeing like, okay, what's the best mixture between program A and B? And is there a program like that out there? Has somebody trained like this before? What do they say about it? Someone's probably tried it. Everybody's tried everything always. Yeah. And if you can't find them, you're just not trying hard enough. Ask someone and they've probably tried it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, one part of programming too is sometimes you can do the right thing at the wrong time as well. Yeah, definitely. So let's say you like you might need hang snatches at a certain point but doing them two weeks before competition isn't the time you should have done them or maybe you need need them in a year's time as opposed to now you know sometimes you can add in the right things way too late it's totally the wrong time so you just need to be have extreme awareness too of what you're adding in why you're adding it in and then where you are again in the whole macro of your training yeah like adding in um, six by ten in the middle of the rugby season is the time to do it, but the first week of off season might be the best time to do it. Hundred percent, yeah. So just have like that critical eye, and unfortunately, if you are programming for yourself, you're going to make so many mistakes. You're going to like, and uh, and, and you'll continue to make those mistakes for years at nauseum. Like, like you program for yourself now. Mm-hmm. You've gone through how many different coaching setups. How many different programs? Well, I've had how really many different any, trying things. Only ever two coaches, like. Yeah, but like. Coaching setups probably misleading. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not setups, but yeah. like a lot of people have helped you and a lot of people have looked at what you're doing. I've asked a lot of people. Talked, really. yeah, yeah, you've talked a lot of people. Uh, yet, you'll be like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck it, I probably shouldn't have done that. And it's, know, a, like, it's not a squirrel thing. It's like. No, it's not a squirrel thing at all. You've just been lifting for eight years. Yeah. Like people moved to different cities. Yeah. People get jobs and stop being weightlifting coaches like yeah but see the problem is what, like what when i'm saying about looking back you're kind of like well, <coughs> that didn't work but unfortunately you i had to give those things that particular amount of time to yeah. see if it did work and you will encounter those times where you're like fuck i wasted a whole off season doing eight by eight single leg rdls with a barbell you know the other thing is is like you so take like an actual example like yep. you becoming a fatty and being 112 kilos and squatting 290 it was great has, yeah but it's like yeah. it's affected how you lift weights now yeah. and that's not a bad thing that's yeah. not a good thing that's just how you lift weights now and you having a very big squat and very big strength numbers yeah just affects the person you are now so I think that's another problem when people look back at what they did it may uh, have helped yeah it may have helped it may not have helped but that it doesn't really matter if it helped or not yeah all that matters is that it happened yeah. and you now react to what you did. Yeah, you you don't know what would have happened. Yeah, it's it's like someone being like, oh, I, oh, I used to be uh, I used to be really, really light uh, when I was playing soccer and then I put on a small bit of weight and now like I'm a really good centre back because I can take a small bit more hits but I'm very, very agile centre back and I'm not afraid to move forward. Yep. And you're like, that's the centre back you are now. 
if you weren't the really, really light centre-back, you wouldn't be comfortable moving forward. And if you were this fucking huge tank of a young flit, yep. you probably wouldn't have developed into what you are now because you would have just hung back around that centre-back position and smashed people all day yeah. and be like a general rather than being like the multifaceted player you are now. Yeah. And like people's paths are very, very important to where they are and people always are... People always book, look back with regret. Yeah. They're like, fuck it, I wish I'd started this. Yeah. When I was, like, we, we hear it all the time, I wish I'd just started weightlifting earlier. And you're like, if you had started weightlifting earlier when you were 16 mm-hmm. and you didn't go through whatever stuff you went through, like, she didn't break play whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't yeah. play whatever sport. You didn't, you missed out on going drinking with the lads. Yeah. You missed out on whatever trips. You could have stopped weightlifting when you were 18. Yep. And now you wouldn't like it. Also, if you apply that principle to me, I may not. So I don't back squat at the moment. And had I not had such a big back squat, spent so much time and knowing that I have no problem increasing my back squat, I may not be in a position where I'm comfortable dropping the back squat now yeah. because I'd be like, oh, but what if, you know? Whereas now I have utmost confidence in my ability to increase my back squat if needs be. Yeah. So I have zero problem drop it and have I just have no it's not like I need to I'm like oh geez my front squat's okay but still I should be doing back squat it's like yeah I did 290 there's no need to do any more there's no need to potentially ever do any more and if I need to I can do more again whereas <laughs> if I'd not done that you might using the it would be a lot harder to let go of the back squat yeah. in terms of long term progress it, I think. and I think it is important to get rid of the what ifs yeah you know like we'll leave that for episode 5 though yeah so if to sum up programming, it would be be patient. Yeah. Be specific. Yeah, be patient. Things take a long a lot longer than you're willing to take. Yeah. Uh but that's how long things take. There's a reason there's four years between Olympics. Be specific. Specific. And maybe the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Those yeah. three kind of especially two and three are very kind of intertwined. Yeah. Be specific when you can possibly do it. Yeah. But don't be in a rush to do it either. It's all a it's all a balancing act, you know. And any coach and do tells, your side planks, and you know a lot of coaches will have great technical speech and be very articulate, but a lot of times they're looking for patterns that they know in their heads should be, and they'll have past learned experiences. But a lot of times, they'll be looking for a pattern that they may not be able to explain to you very well, but they will know that this looks right, kind of. I suppose so. Don't be afraid of being like to yourself, "Geez, I don't know what I'm looking at." Like, don't be afraid of being like, I haven't got this down perfectly. I don't know. These rep schemes are wrong. Don't be afraid yeah. of changing when you're doing it, you know. Anything else said? No. I'm uh, happy. What's uh, what's episode three going to be? Episode three. <laughs> That's going to be on environment. Oh, yeah, the environment. How to step up your game by changing your environment. Or not. Or not change. Oh. Yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs>